Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties listen to the questions you have. We find pros in the know to help you learn. And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome, Welcome to, to VO, VO Booth, Booth Besties. Hey, bienvenidos a VO Booth Besties. Estamos aquí para ayudar a quienes trabajan como actores de voz a obtener respuestas a sus preguntas más importantes por parte de experimentados profesionales de la industria. Cada semana tenemos un tópico nuevo y un orador invitado que es un experto en este tema. Por cierto, ¿ya te inscribiste a nuestra lista de correo electrónico semanal? Pasa por bootbesties.com y envíanos un mensaje con tu correo electrónico y te agregaremos de inmediato. Y si no te has unido a nuestro grupo de Facebook vía Booth Besties, únete allí también. Como de costumbre, si tienes alguna pregunta a medida que avanza la entrevista, simplemente colócala en el chat y haremos todo lo posible por incluirla. Ahora, sin más preámbulos, conozcamos a nuestros invitados. Paso contigo, NJ. Wow, that was Okay, hello, and for our non-Spanish speakers, that was Sixta, and she said, thanks so much for joining Via Booth Besties. We are here to help working voice actors get your most important questions answered by industry pros who know. Each week, we have a new topic and a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. Have you joined our e our email list? Uh, swing by boothbesties.com and shoot us a message with your email and we'll get you added. And if you haven't joined our VO Booth Besties Facebook group, join there too. As usual, if you have a question as the interview goes on, simply drop it in the chat and we'll do our best to fit it in. Uh, this is actually a take two interview uh, from a previous interview we had. Uh, this amazing group of talent has agreed to come back again. We had some technical glitches on Clubhouse. Uh, we're so glad to be off that platform and over here now. And so thank you everyone for graciously agreeing to re-record this interview. So without further ado, let's meet our panel. Over to you, JT. Thank you. With almost two decades of experience, Suleika Orsi de Siga is a passionate and dedicated voiceover actress, bridging English and Spanish-speaking audiences. Based in Seattle, she holds the title of the number one Spanish voiceover actress in the city since 2004. Zuleika assists her clients with translations, localizations, adaptations, casting, production, and directing for a wide range of projects, including commercials, TV shows, and video games. Her mission is to empower fellow Latino voiceover artists and support young women and girls in building their self-esteem. Valentina Latina is a Colombian-American award-winning voice actor and voice talent based in Los Angeles. Valentina is part of the cast of Griselda, a network, a Netflix miniseries, along with Sofia Vergara, also renowned for dubbing in Spanish. Spanish dubbing for Natasha Leone in Poker Face. Tiffany Haddish in Tuca and Birdie, and Eva Longoria in Brooke Shields in Jane the Virgin. Up next, Sixta Morel is a former Spanish TV host turned actress. Born in the Dominican Republic, but now living in Seattle, Sixta works as a voice actor and on-camera talent in her native Spanish and in English. And in the last two years has had the opportunity to work in dubbing, commercial, audiobooks, animation, and corporate narration. Some of the brands she's worked with include Microsoft, Vizio, Black & Decker, Latino America, doTERRA, PBS, and currently she voices a recurring character in the kids' series, Magic Mixies. Sixta is also the producer and host of Gente Historias y Emociones podcast and teaches public speaking through her project, Sixta Lee Media. 
As an established voiceover actor and storyteller, as well as creative director and producer, Carlos Rondon continues to have an exciting career within the industry and broadcast industries in and out of the United States. His life's journey has presented Carlos with great opportunities to collaborate in innumerable advertising campaigns, TV shows, and unique audiovisual endeavors. His career began in Colombia, and after graduating first of his class in TV and film production in Los Angeles, his potential as a communicator is firmly set in North America, where he effortlessly uses everything he has learned to bring any character to life in the recording studio. And up next, Memo Saceda moved to Miami from Mexico in 1997 to host a TV show with Telemundo. He's been a member of SAG-AFTRA since 2000, a VO since 1989, and an actor since 1982, having worked in nearly every genre. He served as the president of the AFTRA Miami Local twice and co-president of the SAG-AFTRA Miami Local when they merged, and has always been actively involved in supporting his colleagues through various committees and board positions. He is proficient in both English and Spanish, with the majority of his work being VO commercials for the Hispanic market. He's dubbed Mel Gibson, John Travolta, and Kenneth Branagh in Spanish, and has voiced over 3,000 characters. He's taught seminars for SAG-AFTRA, VO Atlanta, One Voice, Wovocon, and VO conferences in Colombia and Mexico. Wow, the bios on you guys. Your work is remarkable. We are so glad you agreed to join us again. And you know what? We just get to share your message with even more people because of it. So thank you for joining us. This is still a very important and relevant discussion uh, for the voiceover community. So let's jump in. Z, let's start with you. So one of the first questions we thought of when we started this Latin America panel discussion was, do you audition for all jobs in both English and in Spanish? You know, that's a good question. It depends on who is sending me the audition. Uh, If it's my client that they know my accent already and they specifically ask me to do that audition, I'll do it. If there is an agent that knows me very well, I will do the audition. Sometimes I receive auditions from um, different clients, same audition. And uh, sometimes it's hard because you don't know, right? So I'm always asking them before I submit, do you want me to really submit or you're sending this audition to a lot of audio, uh, a lot of voiceover talent? And if they said, no, 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 every time we send you something for you, then you cast it. Otherwise, always ask us, you know, so that's the way I do it. Excellent. Carlos, let me ask you in this same line of questioning, one, do you audition for both? But two, what would be your hesitation? Can you explain to our guests why you might not audition for one of the Spanish speaking roles? Well, I receive um, auditions for both because the beauty is that nowadays the authenticity is based on who you really are. I mean, right now we have the chance to have all of our accents and all of our um, whatever it is that we have culturally more than language wise, because it's culture is the accent comes from there. It's like I, uh, they say English with an accent it's okay, open to all ethnicities, yadi yadi yadi. And um, the only time 
when I don't audition because of respect, when they say authentic Mexican accent. I mean, the worst thing that you can do is all of a sudden, and even though you you learn uh, to, uh, and you have experience to actually emulate some of the accents and, and dialects, let's call them like that. I don't want to pass and try to pass as a true native Mexican born individual. I was born in Colombia. So consequently, my orale will not be perfectly Mexican or something like that. And the worst part is that I don't want to insult the culture because in the same fashion that uh, somebody from Mexico may not have a perfect uh, paisa accent from Medellin, the paisa accent people from Medellin will know that this is not true. And I don't want the Mexican people to know that, oh, this is Rondon trying to be Mexican. It's like, oh, that's so bad. And it's it's an insult, really. I think that's a great distinction. And one of the things that I'm going to go ahead and insert now that I took away from our first interview was that all of you had agreed that just what you said, that there is a a level of respect and understanding that I don't know happens the same in American English, that if somebody said we want an accent for the Northeast or California or Texas, if you can do it, they do it. But in the Spanish culture, the Latin American culture, you're mindful of that. You're more mindful of the what you said, the location, the dialect. If it says Spanish as a whole, are you getting um, confirmation on, yeah, if they're looking for a country, a specific country? But otherwise, you're telling me if it says Colombia and I'm from Mexico or I'm from another country, that you are mindful of that and don't do it. Is that accurate, Carlos? Well, uh, yes, we we know how to... I mean, I, I have played characters that maybe have uh, very few lines and all that have, uh, and they ask for um, generic Spanish and everything with a hint of uh, Mexican accent. And I have so many, I mean, my producers in Mexico are are very cool, uh, close friends from mine for years and all. And, 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 and you get into it and it's like, give me, two minutes with somebody on the phone and I'll be Argentinian and I'll be uh, Mexican and I'll be everything because somehow the que se pega, se pega. O sea, it's like all of a sudden the accent starts sticking and maybe because of the music or whatever it is, but I, it's all of a sudden, oh my God. It's like my wife Adriana sometimes says, uh, did you speak with Carlos? Uh, um, my friend is like, yeah, because it's, you are now like super Mexican. It's like, it's okay. So it's cool. <laughs> and, and now, uh, um, my son-in-law is from Argentina. So, so it's okay that after five minutes of being with him, it's like all of a sudden I start saying things, but most of the time I try to be respectful and, and, and don't go in there because the last thing, I mean, the community has so much talent that comes from everywhere. Let the people that come from there, when it says authentic, authentic. only audition if yeah. it is authentic. So mine won't be authentic. No I like how, how good I may emulate it. I like that. So really 
authentic and localization. I think that's fantastic. So Valentina, let me bring you into the conversation. What are some of the challenges of working and auditioning all day in two different languages? I got to believe there's a little bit of challenge there. Oh, definitely. Yes. Trying to stay focused on what, how it works, the market. It's, they, they work in different ways. If it's either something that is going to be aired in Latin America, um, I found out the tones uh, change and the rhythm change and and of course the the, the race change uh and when when you're talking to the latino community in the states um so i found that's a difference and and i try every audition to to be very respectful and read very carefully the instructions and that way you know where you're going to right so um after the third fourth audition in, in the day so you're like okay um i'm gonna put the, the english ones at the end or the spanish ones the easier uh i'm gonna you know organize my auditions and uh, and then i have another session in english then it's more convenient to do the english after anyways uh so yeah it's kind of like a uh, heart and, and and part of the struggle as well because that doesn't mean we're booking um like every time in English and Spanish. That means we're shooting <laughs> to different markets <laughs> where we will still know millionaires. Not me. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Excellent. So Sixta, let me ask you, do you have some challenges? I because I imagine I don't speak multiple languages. I always joke that I can say hello, goodbye, how much is it, and where is the toilet in like 13 languages, but I'm fluent in none. So I can kind of just get by <laughs> loosely anywhere. But when you do naturally, authentically have an accent, when you're trying to audition or work in both English and Spanish, I like what Valentina said, I imagine I'd have to break it up and either get in my English voice in the morning and then switch to Spanish or the other way around, or your Spanish might carry over into your English. Like, how do you manage that? Yes. Um, what Valentina said makes a lot of sense. And I have days where I could do that, but I have other days where I don't have the time to like separate them. Like if I'm doing a Spanish audition and then my agent sends me one and she says, you know, we need this for now. So we have to dive into it. And so, yeah, what I do is I try to think of my audience. Who is this going to? I also, you know, skim the copy to see if I really fit the description because I could do English for sure. And sometimes I can do neutral English, but for some copy, I don't sound neutral. So I analyze, is this for me? Even though it says, it doesn't says um, a native English speaker if I read the copy, the copy, and it's it doesn't sound neutral, then I I won't do that that audition, and I jump back and forth all day between English and Spanish, and then in the, in the Spanish we also have our native Spanish. In my case, is Dominican Caribbean, and then we have the neutral or Latin American standard Spanish that we've asked for uh, most of our projects. So we do jump back from neutral and accented inner language and neutral and accented in English. So it's a crazy game. Some days it's really good. You feel like, wow, this is flowing. But some other days 
you end up asking yourself, who am I? What's my name? Where I'm from? Because you don't even sound like yourself. Like, I, I think I told you the story in the last uh, meeting. One day somebody said to me, a family member, wow, you really sound different. And I said, how? And she was like, you don't even sound Dominican anymore. Like your Spanish is something else. And that really hurt me at the beginning. And then I, I kept thinking about it. And I said, days after, I said, you know what? Yes, of course I will sound different. I, I've been living in the States for nine, 10 years now. Um, and I, I go back and forth between my language, my, my native language, and some other stuff that I do. So of course I will not be the same. I won't sound the same and that's okay. That's part of who I am. That's part of my journey. It shows, you know, how, how different I am from when I moved from the Dominican Republic. And I embrace that, you know, I'm, I'm raising two bilingual kids and I want them to feel also proud of their roots, but also feel like they belong here. Um, and so I try to put that in my head and some days, you know, as I told you, it works out great, but some days I'm like, Damn, I, I don't sound well, like in, in English or Spanish, because that's another thing. It's an advantage. But it's also a challenge because some days you will feel lost in both languages. And that's hard too. <laughs> yeah. Zuleka, do you want to join in on this conversation? Yes. Uh, I have some points that I would like to share with you guys. And uh, one is uh, we are very proud of our cultures. So uh, that's something that we, uh, you know, Carlos said. Uh, something that is very, very important. You know, if you don't have that accent, then you don't feel like you're connecting with your audience, right? But there are also these uh, new trend that I see more and more. And it's like brands are um, connecting and using Spanish, for instance, or uh, English accented uh, Spanish with Castilian accent, right? Because Zara is from Spain. So they're using in um, their commercials inside the store, answering systems, industrial videos, etc. They're using Spanish accented, well, Spanish from Spain. You know, I have never seen that before, which I think is pretty cool. And then they use talent from Spain when they're using the English commercials and English stuff. So that's pretty cool. I have never seen that before, but I think that's something that is going to be more and more. And another thing is when you do neutral, neutral Spanish in the U.S., is not normally everyone can do it because I feel like being in the U.S. and if you are doing a commercial in the U.S., then, you know, uh, it's kind of like Carlos has an accent, uh, Sixta has an accent, and because we are authentic, we're bringing our own spin here in the U.S. So I think that's something that I see and also very, uh, very interesting, a very uh, a shift that I see that I haven't seen before. And another thing is Argentinian people, as I was mentioning before, they're doing a lot of commercials because, and they're very successful because they're really, you don't, you don't hear the ones that are really good. You don't hear a difference. And they record a lot from Argentina sending their commercials here in the U.S. You will never know that they can do that. And in Mexico, they're also a huge hit because of that. And another thing that I, I think is pretty important is to localization. It's a word that it wasn't used before, but right now, because authenticity is super, super important. 
For instance, if a commercial goes to LA, the majority of people who live in LA, they're from Mexico and they're from Mexico City. That's the part, you know, most of them, the majority. So a lot of uh, companies, they know like, oh, okay, so we're going to use neutral Spanish with Mexican accented Mexican or Mexican accented or whatever, you know, with Mexican flavor there. But that's not the same if we go to uh, to New York or Miami. That's not going to work because the majority of people who live in the East Coast they're from New York or Republican Dominican, uh, Dominican Republic or South America. There are a lot of Argentinian, Cuban people, etc. So that's when it's a, right now kind of like this flavor of accents and authenticity that I think is pretty cool. So, you know, that's my five cents there. I love that. No, I love that. And and you're right. When a company is trying to reach a market in Spanish, and Carlos hit on this earlier, it behooves the producer to use someone in the country to <laughs> talk to their audience, right? That's where the authenticity comes in. Having someone with a, um, from Mexico trying to speak to countries in Latin America or Cuba, it, yeah, it doesn't work. Um, I'm just curious. Do you find that most companies pay attention to the market and the the population that they're, they're trying starting. to speak to? Or do you think they're that most starting. of them? No, just they're starting to. Okay, they're good. Just this year. I think last year uh, they started to wake up. And right. I said wake up to because I think that we have been always there, but we haven't been seen before. If you know, so mm-hmm. right now the companies, because we have a huge buying power and because the community, uh, the community is growing and is going to grow more companies are seeing that, for instance, we love uh, jewelry, we love clothes, we love shoes and we can spend money, a lot of money in those things. We love cars, too. So, you know, they're like, oh, my gosh. They have money and we haven't seen before and we want to connect and reach out so we can start building a relationship with them that we haven't seen before. So that way it's kind of like the first step of like, we are interested in you and we want to connect with you. We will, we're going to build a relationship because companies want to build a relationship for long term. <laughs> so that's why they're kind of like how we can reach to that companies uh, to that community community but i think that's something that i i think is pretty cool and i feel like really right now companies are paying attention to us and something i quick i want to uh, add is uh young people between 17 and 23 another phenomenon that i've seen is because they speak spanish and they have been in the U.S. and they grew up and they were born in the U.S. They do have a Spanish accent, a Spanish Spanish accented English, meaning you can hear their English accent when they speak Spanish. And guess what? That's totally okay. The companies want that because that's part of this new generation of being totally bicultural and being okay with that accent which I think is pretty cool. I love that. 
So let's stay there for a minute. Memo, let me bring you into this. So one of the things that just to tie in to what Z said, how important is it in these production companies, in the studios to have someone who is actually a Spanish speaker? How important is that? (laughs) Super important. And and I was uh, talking about when you're here in Miami uh, at a movie theater and suddenly there's a Mexican character and he says something like, por eso, and it sounds completely out of character, all the movie theater will laugh because it, it's not someone that speaks Spanish. And you should have at least one person that knows the language because sometimes you hear grammatical errors and, and that's like basic. Like if, if you just grab someone who speaks Spanish, he will tell you this is not the right way to do it. So, yes, it's uh, it's sad, but it happens. So just have someone that speaks Spanish. Are you finding that the industry, and I'm talking about in the United States of America, that there is more representation happening for these roles as director, producer, as someone, yeah, who can kind of guide this yes. change? Okay, good. Yes, no, no, th- there is. Although we still, I just read this morning that Bradley Cooper is having a tough time because he's playing uh, a Jewish Leonard, character. Exactly. So it, it's little by little, small steps, but it's happening. We're going in the right direction. And and I think Carlos has a very interesting point of view about the what the advertising agencies uh, like nowadays. Uh, I would love to hear your take on this because you're you're there. You are one of the people that also want uh, or or need uh, people with those characteristics. Carlos, why don't you Thank jump you. in on that? I remember when I started in advertising in LA uh, in the nineties. We used to regionalize all the spots. So we had VO talent and on-camera talent for LA and all the West Coast. Then for the center of the country, Chicago and all the way, Texas, et cetera. And then the East Coast. And sometimes for beer spots and everything, there was even the, the necessity of actually repeating the take with all the talent on camera and everything be different and and be a little bit more ethnically relevant and all of that, music was also regionalized sometimes three times, West Coast, uh, Center, and East Coast. And then the VOs. We had, there were brands that had three VOs. It's like, that was, that was crazy. And then with the whole, I, I would say that when culture is embraced as it is, I remember when Univision had the rules like, oh, you cannot have English wording and Spanish has to be perfect and all of that kind of stuff. It was so squared and boxed and everything. So everybody was a spot. You would traffic a spot and all of a sudden it would come back because there was a hint of an English thingy in it. It's like, whoa. So now, guess what? Now you don't have to really shoot three versions, musicalize three versions, have three VOs and, and all of these. No, now the industry is embracing all of the accents together, no matter what. It may be from here, from there. The uh, the announcer can be from Argentina and everything. And then the beers, uh, or it's like you find, an, or you may find the Spaniard 
saying that the beard is uh, the beard is perfect and things like that. And no more. It's like wherever you're from, come on, be part of the shoot, be part of the VO pool, be part of whatever. And that's what it's casted. So uh, I'm I'm super happy for that because that also makes the production easier, the creative easier, and and then of course it makes it more difficult to actually then decide who's going to be the voice for this. Hmm, who's going to play the mom? Who's going to play the grandma? Should the grandma be from here or from there? So, but it, the embrace is there finally. It's like okay. Hispanic. No matter where you come from, let's get together. It's like you can all party together and play together no matter where you come from. Excellent. Valentina, are all Spanish-speaking jobs created equal? Meaning if I get um, a job that comes in and they want a certain kind of accent or I get a job directly from the country, you know, the country you live in, like rates, delivery, what are the differences um, in terms of like, so when you get an audition, maybe from um, another country versus in the United States, we have, you know, there's a SAG guide, there's some direction, but when you're working with other countries and they, you know, do you make more money because you speak two languages uh, Are you know, things like that? What are some differences in rates? <laughs> I wish. Uh, definitely the protocols are, are very different. Um, I come from Colombia and I started in VO when I was eight years old. So I kind of like had this school in Latin America in commercials and jobbing. And when I started in the States, I, I noticed that first of all, this is a job in the States and treated as a job and as a worker, which is slowly changing in Latin America. Uh, just the fact we don't have agencies, uh, talent agencies in Latin America. We have only managers. That's a, a very important figure for Americans who are pursuing, uh, you know, the Latin America market uh, to know that you are not going to be represented by, by an agency uh, unless you want to open your agency in Latin America. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, but um, so, yeah, the protocols are different. The rates also are very challenging sometimes. The deadlines, the the payments are very different. So what, what, what I'm used to is to get paid 60 to 90 days. And that's the regular standard, you know, time to get paid, um, unfortunately. But mm, hell, you get used to and then you deal with. That, that's a very similar case to when I pay when I work with people in Asia, for example. Um some countries in, in Europe, um not all of them, but yeah, it's 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 a surprise to see this this huge difference. Um but I don't know if I'm answering the question. Yes, yes. No, you are. You are. Memo, what do you experience? Um, like when you are getting jobs, um, you're in you're in Miami. Yes. You are getting Spanish speaking jobs. How are you navigating that? Are you looking at it and saying that you understand if it's coming from another country, that it's going to be a different rate? Do you try to negotiate based on U.S.? Um 
like she said, protocols? How do you yes. handle it, it's very unique. Yes. Uh, first, if, if you're union, you're not supposed to work uh, jobs that are non-union unless there's a way to convert it to union, then you can do that. Uh, what I find is that uh, usually the level of uh, professionalism is very different uh, in the U.S. and in Latin America. Uh, here, people love their time. Time is gold, so you don't waste any time. In Latin America, most people take a more relaxed approach and some people like to tell jokes and things like that. So when someone from Latin America tries to work with people here in America, it, it's, a, it's a very interesting situation because they try to behave that the way they behave in Latin America and it's, it's not the same. You have to be more professional. And here, even if you are recording a, a, Spanish, uh, a commercial in Spanish, most of the people speak English. And because the engineer speaks English, all the instructions are in English. So you need to have at least a basic understanding of the English language. I think that's an excellent point. Sixta, would you like to join in on that? Yes. Agreeing to what Valentina and Memo said, it's, it's different. Even the communication-wise, like most of my clients in Latin America, we use WhatsApp. We don't we, like I use my email when I have to do my agreement, when I send my estimate slash agreement for them to sign, because I want to have somebody responsible for that. And if I don't have a rep between the client and myself, I want to protect myself. But most of the things were, are done through WhatsApp, voice notes, WhatsApp communication, very informal. And we're okay with that because we're used to it. That's how most of us communicate with our families, with our group chats. And about the rates, um, certainly some clients, like big clients, you would have similar rates than the United States, but most of the rates are going to be lower. And how I work with that is if it's a fair rate for the local market where I am, where, where this is going, then I'm okay with that. If it's a fair rate for Colombia, I talk to my friend who connected me to that project and I say, hey, Didier, are you okay with this? Is that good? Yes, that's okay. Fair enough for me. You know, if it's if it's a valid rate for them, it's, it's fair for me. But I know I go into those projects knowing that probably the rate's going to be lower. You cannot compare, you know, the 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 audiences, the United States and, and Latin America. But yes, if you have a good connection, then they can help you with those rates, knowing that you're getting a fair rate. And also there's a lot of... um different associations that you can that they can support you they have on their platforms the rate guide and, and you can always go and look at those and then we have great friends that we can you know ask questions hey what do you think of this is that fair for you so that's a good way also to keep our you know our minds and 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 just our awareness of how things are going in latin america because we work for different countries and that also changed the rates from country to country depending on the market so there's organizations, not unlike here with the GVAA rate guide and some other things like that, that at least provide some guidance, not only for you as a talent, but possibly for the agency or for the production houses, the studios, so they kind of know what's an appropriate rate for voice actors. Yes, lots of head nods. Okay, good, good. That's encouraging. There so one, um, one thing, I'm sorry. I, go ahead. There is only one union, which is um, Ameloc in Mexico. And then the rest of the country, most of them, they have associations, but they're not exactly unions. So they don't work and they cannot uh, request 
like the, in the same comparing with SAG after. Um, but Memo wants to say something. So, no, no, Ameloc is not a union. AMLA is a union oh, in Mexico. AMLOC is an organization as well, but they, so they help a lot. And they were created because the ANDA was not uh, giving voiceovers the place that they needed, so they created AMLOC because of that. Right, yeah. Perfect. So, Carlos, what do you say to folks, and we're going to call it ignorance, and because you kind of commented on this earlier, that there's a difference between authenticity and there's a difference with being a character. So what do you say when a producer or someone is like, we need you to sound more Spanish or sound more Mexican or, you know, what do you say to someone? And I'm not quite literally, but just generally, like, how do you respond to that? Because when you can clearly say, I am a Spanish speaker, <laughs> like, what are you going for? Is it Cheech and Chong, the stereotypical? Yeah, Memo's laughing. Like, where? what does that mean, you know, when someone says that to you? Well, I mean, it's a little bit awkward because sometimes you out most of the times, I would say 99% nowadays, nobody chooses you because of your demos. I mean, your demos is just a business card. And if, and I have heard so many, so many contradictions about how long they should be. And, and now there are even people say that the creatives at the agencies don't even have a 10 second attention span to listen to a demo. Uh, I think that's nonsense. They do listen to the demos because they want to see variety and they want to see latitude. Latitude is key. But latitude doesn't mean that all of a sudden you auditioned, you were picked, and guess what? Carlos Rondon brought whatever accent he brought into the read. And all of a sudden it's like, gee, can you deliver that in a more Argentinian accent? I, When it becomes a, a little bit of a... It becomes a joke because then I say, excuse me, but you guys picked me knowing that I don't come from Argentina. Why, where, where is this coming from? Uh, uh, well, we wanted to try it. Like, no, it's like, okay, we can try it, but it's, it, it's not a hundred percent correct because I'm not from there. You should have picked somebody from there. I mean, if it is a little line or a little thing and it's like, uh, Yes, it's no problem. I mean, that brings me back to an opportunity where for, for a movie trailer, I had to redo some lines for Antonio Banderas with a lisping and everything. And it was because of the tone and the, and the closeness and the proximity and all of this that I have in other characters done, et cetera, et cetera, for trailer studios and all. And that's why, yes, you can carry a short paragraph and everything and sound like him. But but um, if you ask me, it's like, no, you got to go through all this uh, super long copy and pretend to be him. I would say, you know what? I have his phone number. Why don't you call him? I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll <laughs> okay. So, um, Z, let me ask you this. How do you, how do you feel about when... Maybe you get an audition when casting says they're looking for someone Hispanic, but they don't really care about accent. Like, does that feel like it's inclusive? Do you feel like they actually care or is it sort of just a mindless box to check? <laughs> it was like that for a long time that it, just, just describe it. 
perfect way. But now it's changing, which is pretty cool. Like I said, is is uh, something that makes uh, the read more colorful, if you want to call it that way. I, I would like to uh, talking about braids in Latin America and in the U.S. I think in Latin America, the the something that Memo said is like. In the U.S., we are more professional because the standard is the expectation is really high for us if we want to compete. Uh, but in Latin America, I think that they're like artists and entrepreneurs, you know. And in the U.S., you take your voiceover career as a voiceover career, and that's your business, right? And in Latin America, they're like not that mindset yet. Few of them have it now, but other ones, they don't know because they've been uh, trusting their managers to send them auditions or they have their direct clients, but it's very informal, you know, and it's not this idea of you have to have your invoices, you got to have your marketing ready to go, you have to uh, build relationships and how to build relationships and how to, you know, set goals for your business. So maybe that is something very Americanized, <laughs> but if you want to compete in a global industry, I think it's super important to understand that we have different ways of uh, relating uh, to different or agents or direct clients, whatever. But at the same time, it's so important to understand that this is a business and we are in control of our business. Even though like Memo is a union and, but still, you know, I don't know, Memo, if you agree with this, Carlos, Valentina, if that's kind of like a big difference. So far is what I found in uh, the U.S. market versus in Latin America with my peers, VO peers. So let's stay there for a second because I like, I like what you brought up. So let me ask you then, is the, you talked about expectations, is do you find that one, like the United States, where it feels like anyone is trying to be anyone and everyone is trying to be a voice actor? Are you seeing a similar trend in Latin America? And two, is the quality of the studio space, mic, those kinds of things the same or similar to what's expected in the United States? Are people studios in Latin America still required to have a really good sound quality? I I think uh, a lot of Latino voiceover talent go to a recording studio yet. There is a small percentage of VO peeps that have their own studio, but it's growing more and more. Uh, and they have the, the top talent. They have an amazing studio, their own home studio, and it's unbelievable. They, I mean, the level that they have, because they understand that the way this business is, right? But the the ones that are starting or the ones that are kind of like uh, projecting like a new vision for their business, et cetera, they're still kind of like in process of having this professional broadcast quality studios. I'm not saying any, a lot uh, in general, but you know, it's kind of like, um, well, that's, that's what I, I see so far. And uh, their recording studios in Latin America, they're amazing. Oh, good. They're just so, I mean, you can see them like, 
they're like super professional. You go in there and you feel like a Hollywood superstar, at least in Mexico City is just like, what? It's just gorgeous. That's awesome. Sixta, let me ask you, how do you feel about um, Americans auditioning for Spanish roles? If they can speak Spanish and it asks for Spanish, what are your thoughts on that? It's a fair game. I audition for English um, projects. You know, it all depends on what are they asking for? Are they asking for an authentic native Spanish speaker? And that's on you. Like I leave it on, they leave it to us to decide what's ethical for each and one of us. I don't audition for, for um, projects that said a native English speaker, because that's not me. But if they just say English and I can pull it off, I do it. So I, I don't, I don't think it's wrong for somebody who feels that they could do a good job in Spanish to do that audition. The difference is where it says authentic native Spanish speaker. And, you know, um, thinking also about the Latin American friends, um, it, this is a double way. You know, we are we do work with projects all over the world, but they also have the same opportunity now after COVID. I think everything every it's like big avenues opened and they're not closing. So it's great to know that we have the opportunity to audition for projects here in Latin America and Europe and Asia. And they also have the same opportunity um, to audition if they're ready, if they have their space, if they have the opportunities. So I think that's great. You know, it's a fair game. If you have the language and the skill and you can pull it off, great for you. The line is where they ask for an authentic accent or an authentic person who is part of a community or a culture. And if that's not me, then I will leave it. And that's, I, I guess it's the same that we hope that for the English speaking, you know, if you feel like you can do it, I don't think it's a it's a bad thing. Valentina, do you want to chime in on this? Yes, and also um, collecting something that Suleika uh, was talking about the, the studios and and all that. Thirteen years ago, I did the crossover from Colombia to to LA, and I was the um, I was working with Food Network, so I was the official voice for them in Latin America for the last three years. It was the kind of job you, you, you're recording from 7 a.m. till 5 p.m. That was crazy. I had one hour lunch. <laughs> My last year was terrible because I got pregnant. So I was sleeping and recording at the same time. I don't know how. But anyways, the story is to, to, to share with you 13 years, 13 years ago. It's not that long ago. I love that job. I love that client because I didn't have um, the, the sources and the financial uh, support to, to get my equipment. So they were calling me. They're like, where, why do you live? <laughs> uh, get a microphone, go to, um, what was this store before? Um, shot, radio shot. Remember that store? Um, radio shack. Yes. Yes. And I saw, and I went there. I barely speak English, brand new in LA. A thousand dollars? Are you kidding me? I I worked a whole year in Colombia to make a thousand dollars. Are you telling me that it, no? So I lost a job and I lost a lot of clients, unfortunately, because they didn't have the equipment. So the, this story to let you know that uh, the way the industry is changing super extremely fast and the 
um, possibilities to get this equipment, a decent sound, nowadays is absolutely different. Unfortunately, also for so many talents, uh, not only as Suleika was saying, which I, I agree, uh, the new talents, buying a microphone, $100, $50, I'm now I'm a, I'm a bio. Also, the, the, the old school peeps, they suffered. They, I, I had so many friends. My mom, she's also a voiceover, and she was like, I don't know how to use technology. I'd rather go into the studio. And if they don't come into the studio because uh, we are in pandemic, I'm just going to lose the client. And she did. And so many other peeps, very old school, extremely talented, had to lose and sacrifice jobs. That's it. Wow. So um, let me ask, oh, Carlos needs to jump in. Okay. <laughs> no, one note about the studios, because yes, the studios in Latin America are are so well equipped. I mean, I have recorded in Mexico. Every time I go in Bogota, I audition with my laptop and all, but the key is that the connection, the online internet Wi-Fi connection is not stable and it's not fast enough. So you don't want to risk it. So all of a sudden, hey, Rondon, we, we have to record for the Summer Wish uh, sales event for Lincoln. It's like, okay, cool. I know where to go. And I tell uh, the producer at the studio, so you're going to the same place? Yes. Or they set it up and you go there and you know that, you know what, there's no, and I don't mind even paying from my own pocket the half hour of going to the studio and everything and, and, and record it correctly, knowing that the connection will not break, that the quality will be one to one, both ends and everything. If I were to record that with my laptop, with my portable setup and all of those which are good for auditioning and the quality is silent and it's absolutely perfect. I don't want to risk a session and look bad. It's so important. And that's one of the things that I talk about too, when I talk with folks about networking is yeah. If your house burned down tomorrow, that was horrible, but have you connected with local studios? Do they have the equipment you need? You know, like I love, I've got a little studio in downtown Phoenix. Now they almost, it's like four teenagers, I swear with like three chin hairs, but they have, they have all the high-end equipment. The guy who runs the place, he's just rich and just threw a bunch of money at these kids in this studio. So they have all digital highest in equipment, but they mostly work with rappers. They produce. So you're basically, you walk in and you're high within like three minutes, but all I have to say, all I have to say, I just, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just have a snack on the way if home, it's fine. But all that to say, I've built a wonderful relationship. I've got two of the young engineers who are kind of my go-tos. And there was, a, there was a time, oh, when I had first done a big, um, I had done a IVR, all the phone messaging for a really high-end hotel. And I was like, oh my goodness, I want to make sure it's perfect. Well, they wanted it in a um, file called a U-Law. And I was like, oh, I don't know what that is yet. And I had since learned it, but literally called them on the phone, was like, hey, do you guys know what this is? Yeah. They said, send us the files. I send them the files. They changed everything. They were like, it took me 30 minutes, 20 bucks. And I just Venmo them 20. I mean, you know what I mean? And it when you have that relationship and you can network again, you trust them. 
And it's your go-to. I know that if something happened here, I could go there. They have all TLM 103s. They've got, um, they might even have a U87. Anyway, I know their equipment. I know the studio space. And that's just a really important networking part. To your point, Carlos. Okay, jump in, Carlos. You The word relationships, and I would say that that is the key word that everybody should keep in their minds. Entering this, uh, I want to be a successful VO, blah, 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 and all of this. And really, everybody's so worried about the equipment and things and all. Yes, you got to have your own stuff in order to audition and not having to go to a studio to audition. Audition nicely and make sure that you learn the the basic ethics and all of those things. But relationships. I have gotten relationships with all of the producers at the studios. It's the relationship among us. I mean, it's like, oh my God, I I got to meet and 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 you three girls, the 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 beasties, the besties. I'm sorry. So so all of that, and then all of a sudden, it's like Sixta and Valentina. We know of each other in Suleika and Memo. I know because we we're neighbors in Florida. But but guess what? We have become such a compact and more than compact and and working community is is a loving community. That is one thing we have. All of a sudden, fun listening to everybody else's stories. But guess what? Have as many relationships as possible with every studio, every producer at the studio, every agency people, everybody, because most of the auditions that I have become all of a sudden a brand VO or something like that have come from them. They haven't come from a global casting and everything is like, hey, Rondon, we have this thing. I'm going to send you this because I think I believe you could be the voice for. And guess what? Their recommendation also to the agency and everything because of the, oh, I have worked with Carlos before and I have this and that and he has this range and he can do all these crazy things. It's like that has so much value. Forget the the audition, the traditional way is is good, but knowing people, oh. Yep. Memo, how about you? Building on what Carlos says, and there's a question here from Jen T, uh, JT that says, uh, do you think that having the state's mindset has an advantage? And it totally does, because you understand what Carlos says, and suddenly you will not have a problem like the one I saw a Mexican talent had. After he finished the recording, he went out and talked to the creative, screaming and uh very angry because they hadn't paid him in two months. And then he started saying, no, and no one takes food out of my kid's mouth and things like that. And the creative didn't have a clue what he was talking about because he was not the accountant. So after he left about giving this very angry speech to the creative, the creative just said, I'm never going to call him again. That was not the moment. And that was not the person that you say that to. If he had understood how things work in America, he might have still be working or being here in the States. He's not here anymore. Well, you know why. Oh, that's a great example. And I think it reminds in any language, in any, you know, you need to understand, try, try to understand culturally. I know that if I received something, just like Carla said, already 
we're all connected on socials. We're in different groups. Like I could easily go to you guys and go, Hey, what do you think of this? Or I'm not sure about this. And I would comfortably be able to do that. But I think that's so the relationship part is, is absolutely key. So before we, uh, my goodness, this has been wonderful. Let me ask one more question. Sixta, let me bring you in. I know that you are also a public speaker and you've done just all different kinds of things, but when you coach for voiceover, are you coaching with, with English speaking coaches, Spanish speaking coaches, both? What are you doing? Well, I was lucky enough to come into fully into voiceover in 2020 um, because my background was in television. So I was doing voiceover my entire life, but I was not getting paid properly because of what Valentina said. I didn't thought about this, about that as a career. So I was doing it just as part of my other job, uh, uh, like a host. And so then I learned in 2020, oh, maybe I can refresh my knowledge about um, this. And then I discovered this whole world of opportunities in voiceovers. And since then, I've trained all over the place. I I know I got the basic skill, but then I, I understood that I needed to train for acting. I needed to train for interpretation of scripts. I needed to train for neutral Spanish, which was not a thing for me before 2020 because I used to work in the Dominican market. I had to train for um, animation. So I've been training for those things in both languages. I try to do like a balance. Where is my focus this year? Oh, I want to do this and I have to train for that. So I have, I've, I've coached with Valentina um, for dubbing. Uh, my first year studying dubbing was with an, uh, um, a Voz Academia in Colombia. I did that online a full year of all the things dubbing and interpretation, but I've also coached for animation here in the States for different coaches. So I do a little bit of everything in both languages, depending on the, you know, the main focus. Like if I'm going to do an audiobook and I want to train for that, then I look for a coach. And if it's in Spanish, because I, I usually prefer long form narration in Spanish because it's harder in English. Um, so it depends on um, what my focus is at the moment, but I do coach with, English and Spanish and neutral, depending on what I need more. Excellent. Z, let's wrap, we're going to wrap this up with one kind of big question is how do you market yourself? How do you find jobs as a Spanish speaker? Are you, you know, you said you talk about communicating WhatsApp, but are you, are you using social media? Are you using online casting? Is it like um, Carlos said, is these previous relationships you've built over time? Well, you know, being here in Seattle, it's kind of hard to find, you know, agents and all that stuff. So uh, something that Carlos mentioned that I think it's a memo too is so crucial and that had worked for me is uh, relationships, being uh, uh, building relationships, especially with recording studios. I had my studio, uh, I started in 2004 and I started my studio little by little. But back then I was recording in studios here in Seattle. And uh, then I had my studio, but I was thinking, you know, I heard somewhere a real peep said, you know, the best way to get gigs is going to recording studios, even though you have your studios, but it's important that you go there and you, you be there and see everyone. So, you know, even though I was investing in paying that hourly rate in those recording uh, studios, sometimes I lost money, you know, but I was thinking this is marketing. And guess what? I got a lot of clients 
in Seattle, most of my clients in Seattle, I got them because of recording studios, because they recommended me. And I was there, I was recording a lot. So they used me a lot. And there was like, oh, who's the person to go with? Suleika, Suleika, Suleika. And that's the way I worked. So when I travel, sometimes I have to pay. And I said, I have to, because sometimes I don't want to. <laughs> I don't have money for that. And, uh, but it works, you know, because I built a relationship there. I do a lot of, um, I'm starting to do more uh, networking here in Seattle because I don't have a lot of clients here in Seattle. Most of my clients are out of Seattle. So I use um, uh, internet, but, you know, sometimes it doesn't work that much, but, you know, they're there. Most uh, most of my clients nowadays that I work doing production, they choose one or two talents and they said, I, what is their handle? And I want to see their handle what kind of personality they bring in. And I want to know if they're aligned with my, 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 my brand. I don't want anyone that is posting about them going out and having drinks, or I don't want anyone like posting about politics or religion or things like that that are kind of controversial. And they want to know how many followers do you have? And wow. that's the thing that is like, oh, that is very interesting. So that way, social media is becoming kind of like uh, very interesting. Now, the way I work doing production and casting with my my social media, and that's something probably a little bit different. I have a pool of talent that I work with that I know from voiceover conferences that I know personally. And I always go with the people I know and I know their work. So I know that I can count on them. So they know that my castings are on Instagram. And I i don't care about building my having a lot of likes and fans and all that. No, because my voiceover people that uh, know that I have a casting and I in my stories or my posts, I see the pictures of them, you know, and I said, Oh my gosh, I'm going to go for Jen. I'm going to go for JT. And, you know, and I contact you directly. I DM you and I said, Hey, I have a casting or Hey, I'm going to submit your demo for such and such. And that's the way I use it. And then you say, Yes, I can do it. And then I uh, send you the audition. And because I have only, and that's why I'm a production curator. Because the clients know already that I'm going to be like so giving them exactly what they want. And it's between three up to 10 voices maximum. So in two hours, sometimes the casting is done. Sometimes the project is done. And sometimes they say, hey, uh, we just want them to do A, B, and C. And that's it. So, you know. That's the way I use social media that is a little bit different. And I'm thinking, like me, there are a lot of people working like me because they're freelance and time is so important right now. So they want everything fast. And, you know, for me, that have worked a, a lot. And I have bring a lot of projects to, to, my, uh, to my VO peeps. But now I don't post too much or anything like that because my agents are really upset at me. <laughs> Oh, oh no. Well, I like, I like your content. Carlos, did you have a comment? Yeah, um, I agree. And by the way, it's like, I saw the latest post of you in the forest 
and how centered you found yourself. That was in, in Instagram today. Maybe it was an old one, but it was the walking through the forest. What the, the important thing about faces, and I love the fact that, for example, you, you guys moved to Zoom. There was this in, in 2020 when we had all these Zoom calls and we actually through Zoom is where how we started to get together, get together. And then Clubhouse was created, but Clubhouse was just a picture and it little by little evolved. And first it was only for, uh, for iPhones and then uh, Android came and all that. So people kind of shied away from it because it, they found it elitist. But I love the fact that we get to see our ourselves. We get to see who we are. If we, if we cannot, because of geographics, get together, all of us right now, at least we can see who we are. I mean, the body language and, and all of those things, because I would say that people and every job, and actually your voice carries it, is personality. And that is what you hire. You don't hire uh, body tones or high-pitched people or anything. No, you hire personalities. The personalities, and, and that is imprinted in your delivery. It's like you will know that there's something wrong with Carlos Rondon mentally in one word of all of his entire paragraph. And yes, there is something wrong. There's a lot of things wrong. But there is this... There is, and that is the flavor. That's why he got hired. That's why, oh yeah, he can do the delivery uh, all, all, um, accent free and generic and all of that. No, but it's our personalities, what all of a sudden creates a connection and people remember personalities and they remember the voice of that personality. And that's what you need to do. Go and get in touch with people. Carajo, get out of the house. Yes. Yes, I agree completely. Well, guys, oh my gosh, uh, because we respect your time um, and our audience, we are, we're just over an hour. This has been an incredible conversation. I appreciate your willingness to show up again and talk with us and share even more and reach even more people in our community. Uh, before we go, uh, let's see, we'll start with Z. How about leave us with a tip or or a word of wisdom or something you'd like to share with our audience. And then this time, your favorite drink, like cocktail. Last time we did dessert. Let's try a drink this time. We'll start with you. So easy. Margaritas. I love margaritas. Yeah. Um, A piece of advice is, um, and I was saying that I got in trouble with my agents and that's why I'm careful because I posted a video uh, that it was a commercial. I did. And they were like, you know, I don't like you to do that. And sometimes I do like, oh, you know, I'm using I'm using a script from an audition. And I think like, oh, you know, I can do it. And they said, no way, no way. So that's why I said that, you know, I have to be very, very careful using uh, that kind of content in my uh, Instagram account. So that's why I, I recommend not using any of that. <laughs> no, that's that's a very, very important um, message for folks. Memo, how about you? Your favorite my, cocktail? 
Well, I don't drink anymore, but it used to be Kalua with cream. It's called Alfonso Trece, but it's a very, yeah, <laughs> whatever. And my advice <laughs> would be to listen to yourself. I, I used to do my castings and just send them. Now I record them and I listen to them. And I, I find a lot of things that I can do better. So I go back into the booth record it hear it again and then no still not there and i go into the booth again so listen to yourself it will pay handsomely all right sixta how about you well my drink or cocktail would be mojito de coco i cannot say no to mojito de coco i just love it it's so good and the advice would be there's a lot of opportunities for us latinos or hispanic or however you want to call yourself um, let's use those opportunities, but also let's be ready for those opportunities. Do not stop training, coaching, learning. There's always something else to learn. So let's be ready for those opportunities. Love that. Carlos, how about you? I'm going to go with a continuation of be a participant. Don't be just an observer. I mean, the fact is, I would say since 2020, we, we all became participants. We decided, oh my God, we were in this bubble. We were alone in the studio. Oh, we had to set up this studio. Uh, so many voices started to come from my head. And there is one voice that's called NN and some other folks know it. That is NN stands for no name. It's, he's a master and he is the one who all these things. But guess what? We were all alone. It's like we, we thought that, oh, my God, we're isolated. And this whole phrase of, oh, we're in this together. Ugh, yeah. No, we weren't until we decided to all of a sudden be together in this situation. So we participated, participated in rooms, accept invitations from uh, three crazy girls out there called uh, VO Besties. And come and talk and meet and make friends and and all of that because it is the most wonderful thing. And it's the most wonderful thing as a human being is to connect, connect and protect your voice. And don't allow your voice to be taken away. And for the people that have, have been watching all of my insatiable um, uh campaign in LinkedIn and all the other things is like, yeah, it's not that we mind technology. We just got to be responsible about it. And yeah, thank you for having me. Yes. Valentina, we did not forget you. So a word of wisdom or a tip or some advice and what's your favorite cocktail? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, My advice is I definitely made a switch when I, something like memo uh stop uh sending audition to send them and just do the homework but when i started to to dig in myself and so my advice would be like know yourself get to know yourself get to know your truth get to know your background your your where you're coming from where you're seeing your range your age um speak your truth it's absolutely valuable to copy and, you know, have references around and get inspired, but get to know your 
your own brand. Uh, it's it's deeper than that, you know, speaking your truth. And, and that goes with every audition. <laughs> and that changed the auditions. So that's the one. And I definitely would go for a Bloody Mary uh, in my cocktail. Thank you. That's it. Thank you. Ladies, I really, really, really enjoyed this conversation. Let's do it again. So, yeah, we'll just do it again. Oh, yes. We'll just keep doing it again every few months. I love it. You guys have so much incredible ex- life experience and cultural experience um, and the and industry experience to share. And I, we, it was very important to us that we have this conversation because, one, we don't see it. We don't see the Latin American folks getting really a platform. But there's also a lot of Latin American voice actors who we just don't even know about and and, and we can speak to and, and they can learn from us, learn from you guys as well. So, JT, let's wrap this up. All right. Be sure to connect with each of us on socials, on LinkedIn. Join the VO Booth Besties Facebook group. And if you missed a live episode, you can always catch the recording later on our website, boothbesties.com, on YouTube podcasts, or anywhere you find your favorite podcast. You can also subscribe to the YouTube podcast. We'd love it if you would hop on any platform and leave us a review. Those reviews help us reach more listeners who are looking for great voiceover content. And don't forget to like and subscribe, like and subscribe, like and subscribe. Um, And... If you are listening to our podcast, you can also feel free to join us live on Zoom every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern. All right. And once again, make sure you've joined, you've signed up for our VO Booth Besties newsletter so you know what's coming up. And bonus, the VO Booth Besties has just opened up an accountability Zoom on Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. It's one hour. It's free. You can join the community there. Uh, set goals for yourself if you need to work on your to-do list. Um, this is the place to do it. It is hosted by one of our besties, Nevin Stoltz. And yeah, so come and join and increase your community there. Tomorrow, we are diving into podcasting with a real pro, Jody Kringle, and we hope you'll join us there. So thanks again for being here and have a great rest of the day, everybody. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. VO Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing. thing.